Hi there. We have a favor to ask. If you're enjoying the DLC Live podcast and you're listening on a platform that lets you leave a rating or a review, leave us a five-star rating. Maybe take a minute to write a quick review. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to DLC Live, your source for educational and inspirational interviews with mental health experts and advocates from around the world. Now, here's your host, creator of the DLC Anxiety Worldwide Mental Health Community, Dean Stott. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to this um, impromptuous live with um, Kimberly Quinlan. You may know her from the recovery room. And also Shauna, who is a scientist, really amazing author. And we're going to be speaking um, about mindfulness and its benefits for anxiety disorders and anxiety in general. And just what does mindfulness mean? Um, a lot of people get it mixed up. A lot of people don't have a true um, definition for it. So we're going to get to the bottom of it and we're going to give you some really good tips on how to practice mindfulness uh, when you're feeling anxious. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, then uh, hold tight and I'll get the guests on. Hello. Thank you for joining. Uh, just waiting for Shauna. Can you hear me all right, yeah? Wonderful, yes. I'm actually having a cup of tea, so mindfulness is my cup of tea. Fantastic. <laughs> How's your day been, okay? Wonderful. I got to have chats with you and my clients. It's been a great day. Yeah, ditto, ditto. I could, I could have one of these days every day. Exactly. Um, Kim, I, I don't know. I, we should get started, I think. Uh, and then Shauna, when I see her in the comments, um, I'll, I'll grab her on. Um, but yeah, I wanted to speak about mindfulness. Um, I know that you're a big advocate for mindfulness. Um, and I know that, yeah, it's something. Do you practice it? Every day. Every day. Every day. It's, it's the, it's ultimately has gotten, I, I actually did a post on this today. Mindfulness has gotten me through 100% of my hard days. It, it has been such a life changer for me. Mm. So I see already a lot of the comments, people asking, what is mindfulness? So if you were to give a definition or like a, of what mindfulness is, what would pop into your head? Right. So mindfulness is being aware of the present moment without judgment, right? So a lot of the times we can be aware of the present, but we judge it a lot and we resist it, right? We want to wrestle with it. So there's a lot of acceptance that goes with mindfulness and it, there's a lot of compassion that goes with mindfulness as well. Hi, Ashana. Thank you for coming on. Hi, I think I'm coming. Yeah, you, you are, you're live, you're there. You're, uh, thank you so much for, for hopping on. Um, it's nice for, to meet you, Shauna. Hi, I'm just wondering if you all can see me because it's not coming through clear on my side. Uh, we can see, I can see you fine, uh, Kim. Can you see? Yeah, looks great. Amazing. So I interrupted Excellent. you. You were defining No, we were just... Uh, yeah, yeah, what we were doing, Sean, we were just um, looking at a brief definition of what mindfulness is, because a lot of the community don't actually know the true definition of mindfulness. So Kim was just explaining her definition of mi mindfulness. I don't know, don't know if you want to just recap on that, Kim. 
Yeah. And I'd actually love Shona. I love Shona's explanation as well. So for me, mindfulness is just being present and aware in this moment without judgment and without resistance um, and doing it in a way that is warm hearted and compassionate. Fantastic. And Shona, for everyone who might not know um, or remember our lovely chat that we had, you were one of the first uh, IGTV interviews, uh, which I was so, so happy about. I learned so much from that interview as well. So thank you so much. If you can just give people a brief explanation of everything you do and why mindfulness is so important to you. Yeah. So hi, I'm delighted to be here. I'm Dr. Shauna Shapiro and I'm a professor and scientist and I've been studying mindfulness for over 20 years. Um, I actually had a major spinal fusion surgery when I was 17 and went through a lot of huge life transitions at the time and luckily found my way to mindfulness and was so profoundly transformed by, um, by the practice that I decided I wanted to study it scientifically and really um, share it with other people. So here we are. And one of the things that I've most studied is kind of what it is, like how do you actually practice it? How can we help people access it? And I really appreciated your definition right now that you said mindfulness is about being present, but being present in this warm hearted way. And that is crucial because if you notice, first of all, it's really hard to be present right? I've been talking for about 30 seconds and probably everyone's mind has already wandered off. That's mm -hmm. okay. Um, in fact, research from Harvard shows our minds wander 47% of the time. So about half of your life, your mind is going to wander. So don't get mad at yourself. So the first part is to learn how to train your mind to be present. So right now paying attention. But the second part is to do it with kindness because you notice your mind wander off and you're like, damn it, I'm terrible at this or what's wrong with me. And the key to mindfulness, really, I call it the secret sauce, is kindness. To actually be curious and open, what is your experience right now? And why that's so important and, and why I'm so glad we already are talking about it is when you judge yourself or you shame yourself or you beat yourself up or you talk badly to yourself, what happens is you shut down the learning centers of the brain. So you literally rob yourself of the ability to change or grow or learn um, when you shame yourself. And this is why the key to changing and transforming and healing is really kindness. Because when you're kind to yourself, it releases dopamine, it bathes our system, and it turns on the learning centers. So it actually gives us the resources we need to learn and grow from our mistakes and make changes in the areas we need to. So I'll stop here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. fantastic. Uh, Shauna, but obviously an anxious mind we know is uh, often just overwhelmed by the inner critic and that voice that's uh, uh, really loud in the background. How, how would you tell someone who's feeling anxious in the moment, um, who might not be, who can't see, see that uh, kindness side? How, how, how would they be able to approach that, would you say? Yeah, this is such an important question. The first thing I want to say is it's not easy. So when I say it, it kind of sounds like, oh, yeah, well, how am I supposed to actually do this? And it's not like flipping a switch. It takes practice. And so what I would say to people is first, go slowly, even if you could just do 5% more, right? If you could do 5% more kindness or 5% less 
less judgment and shame and know that you're planting seeds. So one of the things that I study is neuroplasticity. And what we've learned is that whatever you practice in your mind over and over again, it gets stronger. You actually carve out neural pathways. So for many of us, myself included, who have an anxious mind, we tend to carve out these anxious pathways. And then they become so habitual that we just kind of fall into them. So what it becomes yeah, it becomes just this habitual pattern. I call them super highways of habit. You know, they're just, they're, they're so fast. And what we want to do is carve out these little country roads of compassion and kindness. And so the first step is when you're feeling anxious, the first step is so simple. You just name it. I'm scared. I'm anxious. And then instead of judging it or even trying to fix it, you bring kindness to yourself. And imagine what would you say to your dear friend who is feeling scared or afraid, right? You wouldn't say, oh, shut up or what's wrong with you. You would say, oh, sweetheart, this is scary or I'm here or I care. And so those are the first two things that I always start with is just name it. I'm scared. Mm -hmm. And then and then kindness. And and it sounds simple. But when you start interrupting the pattern, you start carving out new neural pathways. And from studies and that, um, how how soon do you start to see a change with them neural pathways? Uh, great question. So four to six weeks, you start to see changes in the brain. And what's interesting is, you know, mindfulness practice, it's both a meditation practice, but also a practice that you do kind of on the spot, like I was just sharing with you. But what recent research shows is that you only need to practice mindfulness seven minutes a day. And all of us can find seven minutes a day. And that's where you start to see the changes in the brain, the changes in our mood, in our anxiety levels. And so mindfulness, it's, I call it mental fitness. It's like physical fitness, right? All of us know that's good for us. It's important. And we make time for it, I hope. But mental fitness is kind of, I believe, the next wave where we are recognizing this is equally important for our health and well-being. 100%. Um, Kim, just regarding your practice of mindfulness, how does mindfulness work for you on a daily basis? Yeah, so for me, I, I mean, I think it depends on the day and depends on what emotion is showing up. But ultimately, I think if, let's say, I'm noticing a lot of judgment, you know, and um, it shows up in different respects, right, as a parent or a wife or as a therapist or just a human being, um, as it shows up, sometimes the first step for me is actually just acknowledging and being, oh, I'm in my judgmental mind, right? And and sometimes I find what we can do is we can become judgmental of when we're being judgmental. Um, you know, we we criticize our self-criticism. And so for me, it's actually just that first step of going, oh, okay, I'm noticing I'm being judgmental and and being really gentle around that and, and just first focusing on not wrestling with that too much. But the biggest thing for me personally is just to be able to observe thoughts as not facts. And that was huge for me as a, as a person who was also has anxiety is because I very quickly, like the neuro pathways, my instinct is to go, well, if I think it, it must be true. And so for me, it's mostly just going, Oh, that's a thought. Uh, hi thought. I see you. I, I know you're here. You bring up a lot for me. 
but I'm going to actually just practice observing you and not taking you as if you're my facts. And that has been huge for me. Yeah. Well, that's do, do not believe your thoughts. That's one of the, the mm. cardinal rules. And sometimes it's helpful just to say, thank you for your opinion. You yeah. know, when your thoughts coming and telling you that something's wrong with you, just thank you for your opinion and just go about your way. Yeah. Um, a lot of people um, ask me what the difference between mindfulness and meditation is. So a lot of people think it's the same thing. Uh, can you guys shed any light on that, please? Go ahead. So mindfulness is really a way of being. Like Kim said, it's about being present. So right now, as you're listening or speaking, we're fully here, fully present. Meditation is the exercise. It's the practice. It's like going to the gym and lifting weights. Um it's important to do that to build the strength so I can go home and pick up my son or pick up the groceries. And so the meditation practice is really just the exercise that we do. The mindfulness is this way of living moment by moment so that in each moment I can make wise choices. I can take care of myself well. I can take care of others well. Definition. Yeah. For me, I did a lot of meditation as I was coming out of in into and out of recovery into recovery from my eating disorder. And then what I actually found as beneficial, if not more, is to do what I call what we call a walking meditation, which is just to be do exactly what you would do while you meditate, but to do it while you're washing the dishes and you know, stirring the pot that you're cooking, it, that has been really great for me to be aware of feelings, smells, tastes, textures. That has been a really big part of my practice, which I consider to be just a, an all-day meditation. Yeah. And I think especially when you're having anxiety, it's hard to just sit down and sit still and then watch your mind, you get lost in it. And so I think what Kim's saying is so important that to be present while you're walking, while you're cooking, and to create kind of more, um, more focus on your senses, kind of what you're tasting, what you're touching, what you're feeling, to really ground yourself in that and to practice these neural pathways, to practice mindfulness through those exercises. That, that you don't always have to be sitting perfectly still to be practicing mindfulness. Um, can mindfulness help you in the midst of a panic attack? So we know that the fight or flight um, system's really kicked in, the adrenaline's going. Is it possible to practice mindfulness then, or would you say that there was limitations? Kim, do you want to start? Yeah, I can tell you a story, actually. So... Um, for those who know me, I actually have a lesion in the back of my brain. And so every four to six months, I have to go and have an MRI. And I hate MRIs. <laughs> it is like I hate them. Um, and I have a panic attack nearly every time. But the good news is I don't even call it a panic attack because I try not to give it too much power. Instead, I just go in and say, this is my opportunity to be incredibly mindful. So while I'm in there, I'm, I'm just one thought at a time and one sensation at a time going, okay, so my heart is really racing right now. Okay, that's okay. What, what else is happening? I hear the sound of that MRI machine. Okay, what else is happening? You know, I'm having terrible thoughts about that this is going to kill me or something. To, I'm going to get a bad result. And I'll go, okay, what else is happening? And that practice 
has made it so that it's not even really about the panic. It's about me being curious and just being open to like, let's see what else. And that has been, like I said, life changing. Yeah. Beautiful. And, and what I would add to that, one of the um, patients that I worked with at the cancer center also, he was a young man, um, teenager, and he would be terrified every time he had to get an MRI and so that's exactly what we did is worked on just simply naming, you know, what his experience was, the anxiety. And then also what was really helpful is I really believe that self-compassion is an incredibly important kind of partner to mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And so part of self-compassion, first of all, is bringing this kindness to yourself. But the other piece of it that's really radical is realizing you're not alone, realizing that he wasn't the only one getting an MRI right now. And he wasn't the only one in the world who had cancer. And so to start to think of all the other teenagers who are facing the same thing and to send them his compassion so that as he's sending compassion to himself, he's also sending it out into the world. And there is a way in which that empowers you that we tend to isolate in our anxiety and in our pain. We think we're the only one. And there's something very, very important in healing is recognizing our common humanity, recognizing that all of us suffer, that this is part of the human experience. And you, you could really use anybody to use that in a daily basis, couldn't they? For things going wrong during the day to, to take a step outside of that um, individual reality that we're all in. Yeah, especially during the pandemic, right? The pandemic has made us feel so lonely, but yet we're all in, we're all going through it at the same time. Yeah. Um, So the next question, um, someone said, are we born with mindfulness or is it something that we have have to practice? Um, Like, how long would it take me to do it? So I apologize. There's a huge truck outside my window. <laughs> no problem. But, but we can be mindful with the, the beeping. And, and what I'll say is I believe that mindfulness is an innate human capacity, that, that we are born with this capacity to be present, to pay attention. And it's something you can cultivate. It's something you can practice. And so it's not so much that you're going out and making it happen. It's more you're, you're slowing down and you're you're connecting with this innate part of you that is always already here. All of us already have it, right? It's not like some people have it and some people don't. It's, it's here for our taking. It's what it means to be human, to, to be present. Right. I, I always love, and you talk about where we born with it, is one of the most coolest thing I've ever seen is to watch my, my children are grown much bigger now, but was to watch my son and my daughter be mindful about the world, mm. right? And so they would pick up a, a pen, let's say, and we'd just go, that's a pen, and we wouldn't care. But but they'd be like, it's smooth, but it's also spongy, and it's black. And And it was such a mindful experience to sit down on the grass and for them to hold a leaf up and to be like, Wow, there's like this Zen concept called beginner's mind, which is where you look at things as if you've never seen them before. And that's mindfulness, right? And I think that we forget that once we get older is we forget to go, wow, this teacup has gold on the rim. That's 
what is that? Where did that come from? Why did they choose gold? You know, so we think that mindfulness can open our curiosity instead of just thinking that same way every day. Yeah. And that's mindfulness is that when we are are curious when we have a beginner's mind we tend to feel awe we tend to feel astonishment and wonder and this is also what turns on the learning centers and so the way i see mindfulness is this powerful way to first just note what's happening and then also to transform it and and that's really the the beauty of it so mindfulness obviously is not all uh, touch and taste can, can all be part of mindfulness, is that correct? Yes, very important. In fact, mindfulness is an embodiment practice. So mm. it's, it's partly the mind, right? But the mind is really the whole body. And so our senses, our taste, our touch, our, our smell, those are really important in helping bring us into the present moment. And in fact, each of these sense gates acts as little um, kind of hooks into our memory so that if we're being fully present and I... I see a hummingbird, which I can see outside right now, and I'm fully present with it, then it'll anchor it in my long-term memory, and it'll actually become part of me, part of encoded in my memory. Normally, we encode the negative things, right? The things we're scared of, the things we're frightened of. But mindfulness can help us encode these positive experiences, so they become part of us. That is, yeah, that's just thinking about that. You're saying that focusing your attention on these on these beautiful kinds will give long lasting is that's going to help us over time exactly it's called hard hardwiring happiness <laughs> and the science behind that yeah absolutely in fact normally there's something called a negativity bias and we tend to focus on what's negative or what's wrong and what we're learning to do through mindfulness is we can start to really focus on the beautiful moments, on what we're grateful for, and then actually encode those into our long-term memory through our presence. It takes about 20 to 30 seconds to encode an experience into your long-term memory. That's really interesting and really impactful as well. When you really sit down and think about it, it's really impactful. Um, a lot of people are happy, um, they're asking, how, how long should I do it? When should, is the morning the best time to do it? I know you get asked that, but is there, is there a definitive answer? Um, so, so I used to say, whenever works for you, just make sure you do it every day. But mm -hmm. now I have new research. This, this study came out at UC San Francisco, back in California in the United States, that our mood in the morning and our mood in the evening is the best predictor of our health. It even predicts our longevity. It predicts the health of our mitochondria, which is the body's energy battery. It predicts the length of our telomeres. So now I say practice in the morning or, or and the evening, because this is where you get kind of the, the biggest bang for your buck. This is the most important time to protect yourself. One other reason to practice in the morning is that the brain is in an alpha-theta state, which means it's highly trainable, it's highly suggestible. And so this is a really important time to kind of carve out these neural pathways of presence and kindness. That's great. Um, when do you practice? You're Pardon? Well, I'm to actually... For 
I actually, mine isn't as um, rigid as it used to be. For me, it's more catching when I am, for me, it's mostly rushing. I am terrible about rushing through things too fast. And so for me, it that's where I have to implement it the most. And so if I know I'm doing admin or emails, there's this intention I take with it where I'm like, I'm going to have to be mindful because besides that, I'm actually pretty good. My muscles are pretty, my mindful muscle is pretty strong, but it's, it's, I know what my triggers are. And so for for that, I know to have an intentional moment as I, I call it the door check. Like if I know I'm going into doing admin, I do a little door check, which is like, before I walk into this practice, I'm going to have to really become more mindful because I know I'm going to become someone who rushes and maybe bangs on my typewriter too hard. And so for me, it's very much intentional depending on the activity. That's great. Um, I've just seen, I'm just seeing a couple of questions before you, Kim, I know you've got to go. Um, so we'll wrap it up very shortly. Um, Shauna, your book, um, obviously an amazing, amazing read, one that um, really helped me. Um, I actually listened, I, I remember I listened to it, um, yeah, almost every day on jogs and things, and it found it really helpful. Uh, where, can, where can everybody um, go and um, support you and obviously get that great knowledge that's in there? And what's the name of the book? Good morning. I love you. Mindfulness and self-compassion practices to rewire your brain. And thank you for that. It's at most bookstores. You can order it online. And a lot of people do love the audible version because then they can kind of close their eyes and listen to the meditation practices. And what I tried to do in the book is bring the best science that we've learned, how you can really, in the most effective way, train your brain um, with simple practices that are easy that you can integrate into your life. I'm a mom of four kids and a professor, so I have a very full life. And for me, the most important thing is how to help people integrate this in a in a simple, clear way. So that was really the goal of the book. And if anyone has any questions or follow-up, you can follow me here on Instagram at Dr. Shauna Shapiro or at my website, drshaunashapiro.com. Yeah, and I'll be doing a uh, swipe up in the stories as well to, uh, to both, I guess, which is fantastic. And uh, just before we go, guys, I saw one question saying, I, I really want to start mindfulness, but I don't know where to go. So if they haven't got access to your book, would you, is there any recommendations um, for someone like a step-by-step guide? Kim? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, There's so many wonderful resources online that are completely free. If you go to my website, there is a a step-by-step guide and free meditations you can download. I also really love Tara Brach, B-R-A-C-H. She has a number of free meditations that I often do. So there's incredible resources online. What I would most recommend is to get a buddy or a friend to do it with. We know from the exercise literature that people stick with things when they have someone they're doing it with. So I would recommend finding someone anywhere in the world in your life that that could do it with you and to start really small, right? Just three minutes a day and and work your way up. Yeah. Tara Brock is like my hero. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah, so you could literally do that virtually with a buddy anywhere around the world, really. Exactly, yeah. 
Fantastic. Well, guys, I think that's a lovely place uh, to leave it. Thank you so much, especially for the short notice uh, to both of you. Really appreciate everything you're doing. Um, Shauna, will we be seeing any more books? I have another book coming out in April, in the spring. Um, it'll be the workbook, the companion workbook with all the practices and some new ones, some old ones. So you can check it out on Amazon right now. I think it's available for pre-order. Fantastic. And Kim, I know your book's coming out next month, is it? Or in a couple of weeks? October 1st. Yeah. Okay. So the the self-compassion workbook for OCD. Yeah, it'll be coming out through New Harbinger Publications in, on October 1st. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate, obviously, both of you. And, and enjoy the rest of your days. Thanks, Dean. Bye. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to DLC Live. Be sure to follow Dean on Instagram at DLC Anxiety. Check our website at dlcanxiety.com and grab yourself a copy of our latest book, Untangle Your Anxiety, on Amazon today. See you next time.